Hello, Pivoters. Welcome to Pivoting Out of EDU, your podcast designed to provide you with the inspiration, confidence, and strategies for making a pivot away from campus-based positions in education toward other opportunities. Hosts, Drs. Jamie Hoffman and Tom Stuttert pivoted out of campus-based positions and are loving it. Now they are giving back and supporting others doing the same. Hello and welcome back to Pivoting Out of EDU. I'm Jamie Hoffman. And I'm Tom Stuttert. And we are thrilled today to have a unique guest with us. I'm sure you're unique in many ways. Um, Lindsay Ellis is with with us. She's a reporter for The Chronicle. Uh, The uniqueness, of, of course, is that she is a reporter and the reason why um, we really wanted to have Lindsay on the show, and we're super psyched to have her here, is because um, Lindsay has done um, a few articles, but one notably was was pretty popular recently about folks leaving um, campus-based positions and just the sort of general, you know, um, theme of the, the Great Resignation. And actually, that's how I met Lindsay. I had a great time um, chatting with her. And I think I think you told me, Lindsay, you talked to like 60 people or something. And so we just thought this would be a great opportunity to hear what the themes are that you heard. I mean, I know that you wrote them out in an article, but hearing them in your words will be really powerful for our listeners. And and also just acknowledge, too, I, we're going to start by asking you to tell us your background, but um, it'll be great for you to share sort of how, as an almost like outside perspective, you um, view some of the things that you've heard and learned and such. So, A, thank you again so much for allowing us to turn the table and interview you. And um, B, can you get us started by, you know, telling us a bit about your background and a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Thank you both so much for having me here today. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Um, My name is Lindsay Ellis. I'm a senior reporter for the Chronicle of Higher Education. Before the pandemic, I largely covered research universities and the ways they worked and the dynamics, you know, among faculty, among staff, among students. But over the course of the pandemic, and especially over the last six months or so, I've really focused in on the academic workplace more broadly. I've had some great conversations with people about what the pandemic has done to the way they think about their work and what they want out of their jobs. Um, I've loved listening to your podcast and hearing some of the insights from folks who have left education but hearing from people who have stayed within higher ed too has been so fascinating. And, you know, I, I always am, am looking to learn more. So, you know, as many conversations as I can have about these issues, the better. Well, I would, I would love to follow up partly because I'm a little bit nerdy higher ed person, but um, I'd love to know if you were willing to share what was your background before the Chronicle and then what led you to the Chronicle, did you have, you know, were you aiming to focus on higher ed or just kind of curious of your journey there? Absolutely. So I 
first connected with the Chronicle when I was in college. I was a reporter for my campus newspaper and was looking for an internship. The Chronicle was hiring and I figured, hey, I cover I cover one college for my campus newspaper. It would be great to learn more about how more of them work and, you know, learned so much from the editors, from other reporters. After I graduated, I had a few different roles, but wound up in Houston where I was covering higher education um, in Texas and in and around the city of Houston. So there are some fascinating institutions um, in uh, the greater Houston area and some of the statewide legislative issues in Texas, statewide higher ed issues. I learned a lot. And then in 2018, when a job at the Chronicle of Higher Ed um, opened up, I, I decided I, I wanted to give it a shot. So I, I threw my hat in the ring. And when I got the role, I, I moved back up here from, from the Houston Chronicle. So I started my career thinking, you know, I would be opening to, open to covering a lot of different things. I, I specifically actually started covering business at the Times Union in Albany, New York. And I think you know, that that helped me sort of see some of these education issues through the lens of workplace issues and different systemic dynamics on campuses and within sort of the higher ed space. So um, that was that was sort of just a helpful primer to to this vein of reporting and to reporting generally at at the Chronicle of Higher Ed, where, you know, a lot of people who read us do work in the industry. Yeah, Lindsay, uh, thank you for the story. Thank you for the background. That's uh, both Jamie and I uh, were sort of nodding our heads uh, in the background over here going, oh, wow, this is a really cool story, a really cool way to get to what you're doing now, particularly based on your undergraduate experience. I have to say, I'm also really excited. I am from Houston myself. Um, And so to know that you were working at the Chronicle there, uh, the Houston Chronicle, um, my hometown newspaper. I grew up in the Rice Rice University Village area, so very familiar with the institutions of higher ed there. My dad actually went to the University of Houston for his undergraduate work. So, I um, mean, I actually, the last uh, higher education institution I worked at was in Texas. I worked at TCU up in the Fort Worth area. So uh, definitely an interesting animal, higher education in Texas, for sure. So um, excited that you have that background. I, I am curious because I know as as Jamie set up the the scenario here that uh, sort of teed up the conversation. Um, you've done, you know, uh, sort of lots and lots of interviews with individuals uh, on college campuses, and 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 lots of those who are either thinking about or have pivoted out. I'm curious, what are the major reasons you're hearing from people why they're wanting to leave a campus-based position, and and how much is COVID-19 sort of impacting uh, those decisions? So I've heard a few big things. Um, and and the first one I don't think will be surprising to either of you is just work-life balance. I think this is a field that very much is a passion, is an identity for a lot of people. And many people who I interviewed, you know, described how they realized, right, that the passion doesn't make up sometimes for the idea of having boundaries between work and life and being able to feel like, oh, I can take a vacation and the sky won't fall. I think in terms of other reasons, I heard from some people that they were just, you know, ready to retire, that they 
you know, held on for a little while longer because of the pandemic, but then realized, you know, now is, now is kind of the time. Um, and I think the pandemic did accelerate for many people, their departures. I think some campus-based higher ed employees said that on-campus work requirements felt unnecessary, dangerous, especially after remote work proved really feasible for 18 months. Um, For these people, I think there's a sense that campus leaders may be treating their health or well-being as, as secondary to institutional priorities or campus finances. And um, I think that frustration in some cases did did boil over. Yeah, I, I find it interesting. You know, I think that there's this, you know, pre-pandemic before, you know, professors and student services, individuals and administrative administrative folks in the in the college campus. We would have all said, like, we have to be on campus for our students like they're on campus. We have to be on campus. Um, and I, I, I think we've we've figured out that we can sort of do things remote. Did you have any conversation with the folks who sort of were like having difficulty, not just, you know, thinking about going remote, but sort of like balancing that I want to be healthy and I want to work from home with like, there are college students on campus and sort of that, that what almost like a tug and pull, um, you know, sort of uh, in internal dialogue of, of, of what's important because I know when if if when I worked on on a college campus, you know, I, I really believed in sort of the power of new student orientation being on campus, right? Um, uh, even so much that I was against us doing roadshow orientation. So, did you talk with anybody that sort of had that like mixed feeling, and and how are they dealing with it? Yeah, I think that was was present in a lot of places. I mean, so many people in higher ed are so committed to the work and so committed to students. Um, you know, a few people who I interviewed who left, who changed jobs during the pandemic, they described to me a real sadness when they walked in on, you know, their first day and realizing when they look over the cubicles, I'm never going to do a first year orientation again. Or um, this is something that I I really enjoyed, this energy, um, this opportunity to really guide students at a pivotal moment of their lives that that you know wasn't as as directly present. So I think that push and pull that you described was very much present. And I think you know there's sort of another uh nuance to that too that I found really interesting which was that for people who have stayed in their positions which you know is is a lot of people, you know, for a number of them they recognized that they did need more space that they needed to take a, a real vacation, you know, or even a day off. Um, and, you know, they, they weren't told by their supervisors that they couldn't, but they really felt so committed to students and they really felt like I need to be here and need to be present. And I think that, um, dedication and, care was so was so present in a lot of my interviews and and that sort of made clear to me that that none of these choices are easy um and and that it's a really complicated decision and and moment for a lot of faculty and staff who are working through these choices yeah i think that kind of resonates with one of the things we talk about a lot which is that when people come 
into this profession, student affairs, but just higher ed in general, um, it really kind of consumes part of your identity and, and not in a, like it's encroaching in a negative way, but like you choose this. I mean, you know, what I loved about the fact that you were, uh, worked for your newspaper in college is like, I'm like, oh my gosh, you were totally a student leader in college and now you're doing higher ed, but you found this unique way, uh, to leverage your talents and, and still, you know, work in this space. But it is such meaningful work, but it is hard to part with. And I, I wonder, you know, something that I get asked a lot is, especially after this pandemic, right, is do, do you think that institutions will change to be more flexible with regard to meeting the needs of employees with uh, flexible schedules or remote work? And what, what would it take to see that change happen because we we certainly are seeing it in corporate America where you know like so many more positions are now either blended or fully remote. So I'm curious what do you think? Do you think we're gonna see a shift? And and if so, what what needs to happen? To say at the outset, for better or for worse, I'm not great at predicting the future. And I and I probably, you know, I I won't try what I have seen over the last, you know, maybe from mid spring onward, um, was a willingness among some colleges to rethink their policies for certain employees, um, which is a sentence with a lot of caveats, but I'll, I'll explain a little bit further. I mean, I think the most common place I saw this was for non-student facing staff, um, folks in IT, HR, um, finance, you know, all of the divisions that um, have historically worked on campuses. But, you know, there's a realization that if, if the company up the street is not requiring this, we should maybe think about flexibility as well. Um, I think that holds benefits for colleges. That's sort of what I heard from campus leaders. I mean, obviously that space for offices is expensive to lease um, and people want an upper hand in, in recruiting for those roles. So I think tactically that's probably a place where more institutions will see some movement. Pivoting out of EDU, we'll be right back after this quick message. Coaching Through It is a podcast hosted by myself, Laura Pasquini, and Julie Larson. We're two former higher education professionals who made the jump to corporate life and now are learning what professional coaching is all about. Coaching Through It will offer you and explain what coaching actually is and how it might help your pivot out of EDU and support your career transition. We'll be digging into coaching tools, techniques, and resources that we find useful. Not only will you get these tools, but you'll find out what's useful for you and where you're at in your career. We're both career coaches and support transitions and pivots. And we have a number of other coaches you might want to learn from as we feature them on interviews on the pod. And let's get real. We've been friends for over a decade, so you might just hear an episode or two of us coaching one another. And a bit of real talk of what it's like to be in the world of work and how transitions and pivots happen today. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, as we'll be coaching through it. And now, back to the show. As part of your question, you asked, right, will will this movement uh, shift the way campuses 
are are working to retain employees. I mean, I do think colleges should expect employees, even outside of those divisions, to be looking around. I heard from a number of people that they are considering doing so sooner than they would have pre-pandemic. And I do wonder what policies on campuses are going to stem from that instinct, whether that flexibility will will extend to student-facing positions or even, you know, you know, both for recruitment and retention of staff, but also, you know, what students want. I mean, do students want to have an advising meeting over Zoom or a career services meeting um, over the phone or in other virtual uh, manners? I think some of that has to be seen still. And, and I'm curious to see where it goes. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's, that is the, the conversation that everybody's having, right. Is, is, you know, what is this great resignation going to do to sort of the foundation of higher education? Is it going to uh, offer an opportunity for higher education to sort of rethink the, their, their business model or their model at all? Um, or, uh, is it just a blip on the radar for for folks who work in higher education? And and you know when I think about higher education, clearly uh, you know Jamie and I both spent quite a bit of time on four year college campuses that were you know primarily residential campuses, et cetera. But you know there's there's certainly the the community colleges, uh, you know there's K through twelve as well, and it'll be interesting to sort of see how education as a whole really really shifts over time, and if this is if this is going to be a, a a, a sort of a great awakening for education, or if it's just, like I said, a blip on the radar uh, that we just are sort of trying to get through. And I think as we, at the longer the pandemic goes on, the long, the, the more um, obvious it's going to be needed for a shift in sort of how we think about education. So Lindsay, I know you've talked with a lot of folks uh, through your interviews. What are people saying? Where are people saying they're going? Are they, are they going into fields that are education adjacent, uh, like ed tech? Um, are they going into learning and development? Are they going to HR? You know, where, where, you know, with the great resignation, people are going places. Now, some of them may not uh, be going into other jobs, but where have you heard people are, are headed? I heard a few areas a number of times. One, I mean, ed tech for sure. I heard some people um, going into HR, which I hadn't considered beforehand, but as I talked to them, it made more and more sense, you know, understanding people's needs and how to support them. I think there are a number of natural connections between student affairs and in that sort of space. Um, I think a few of the other areas, I mean, some people moved into consulting, particularly on leadership and education issues. This idea, I want to work for myself and sort of chart my own course, I think was appealing. and. You know, other people said, I really want to just be fantastic at being a parent or I, you know, my partner has stable benefits or a salary that can at least temporarily support us both over the course of this time. um, You know, I, I really want to focus on family. And I heard that a number of times, too. Yeah, I definitely can jump on that train of wanting to be a better parent, though I'm not sure having extra time will <laughs> help me that much. Uh, I need some parenting course. I need I need like a doctorate in parenting, but I keep trying. Um, those are great points. And I, I wonder, you know, if you were to narrow down the sort of top three to five um, aspects of what folks might be looking for that have pivoted. 
what do you think um, those would be? Sort of what are they really looking for in that next position? Yeah, I think um, remote work and a greater degree of work-life balance, those were two of the really big things. I think for people in IT and cybersecurity and the like, other sort of tech adjacent fields, money was a big factor. They one person stressed to me that, you know, he would be able to do a very similar job at just such a higher salary if he worked in the private sector versus for his institution. But I think the other thing to to sort of stress here is that you know, benefits, especially health benefits, were a really big reason why people said that they wanted to stay. You know, especially in the pandemic, there was a real appreciation for my institution, my campus is providing me and my family a sense of of security right now and that that was appealing to a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's exactly what folks are are what what I'm hearing even in corporate, right? Is uh, you know, I know my company is is still fully remote, and there's conversations happening sort of across the board as we think about if we're going to come back into an office, which we will eventually. You know, what does that do to our workforce? Will they leave? Are they going to go look for? more work-life balance? Are they going to work, look for remote opportunities? I know I've had folks that have even left my organization that because they know that we've sort of put a stake in the ground that we're eventually going to come back um, and they've gotten jobs that are guaranteed they'll, they can be remote forever. So it'd be interesting to see not only at sort of like what, I, what I'm calling sort of post-great resignation, uh, post resignation, sort of part two is, will there be another one when you know the the pandemic is is quote unquote over. Um, will we see you know people who are being forced back into the office or um, you know forced to comply with things that they may not feel comfortable complying with? Sort of you know have to have to now meet those standards. So it'll be interesting to see sort of this part two. Um, you know, Lindsay, just to almost close it up, I think maybe like this question and, a, and one follow up. Um, uh, you know, we know that the grass isn't always greener. Um, in fact, uh, a good colleague of, of mine and actually somebody who we featured on season one's podcast, uh, Chrissy Roth Francis, just recently posted um, on her face on her LinkedIn account that the grass is greener. And, and I think for most of us, we see that the grass is greener um, in the non campus based positions. We, we sort of get a little bit more of that work life balance. The, the the lack the lack of evening student programming that we have to go to, but sometimes it's just a different shade of green. Um, you know, it, it may not necessarily be burnt grass, but it might be, you know, just a, maybe a little bit lighter green. So, what advice or what have you heard from the people that you've talked to? Um, what do they have for people who have made the pivot or those who are looking to do one soon? I, I can't say I'm in a great position to to give advice. I mean, I've I've never been through it, um, but I think. I did hear from a number of people who had a few things, you know, some concrete, some more emotional. One of the more practical pieces of advice that my sources said they heard was to, you know, cut the jargon in resumes. I mean, that, you know, there's a lot of overlap between roles in academic and non-academic spaces and making sure that the experience is what translates. That was sort of the first big thing that they said they had to do. On the more emotional front, I heard a few, you know, a few people really express that sadness as they realized, you know, these aspects of of life on campuses won't exist in this new setting, you know, welcoming new students, the the cubicle or Zoom environment compared to 
the energy of a quad, I think that folks told me especially took time and, and they kind of expected it would. I think the other piece of more emotional feedback or advice that I got was just that there are more people considering this than you might expect. After I published the story in the Chronicle, um, The Great Disillusionment, um, one of my sources said that a number of people reached out to her and just said, hey, I'm, I really admire you talking about this transition. You know, I've been feeling the same way um, and similar reactions like that. And I think that sense of community was something unexpected for people. They weren't as aware that so many people were considering the same shift. Um, and so I think that more emotional reaction or, or I, I don't know if it's advice, but, but just an awareness that this is a broader phenomenon than, than one might expect when, when they're in the thick of it. Yeah, I think that makes sense. It, it's like, you know, people are almost afraid to share, you know, their concerns and it is affirming. We've found that with the outreach that people have made to us. You, you may have actually kind of covered our last question here, which is really just, you know, is there anything that you feel like people should generally know um, that you learned as a result of your conversations with folks and, and writing this article? I think we hit the major points. I think that the real care and dedication that many people feel for their campuses, for their students, for their colleagues, that emotion was very apparent as I was interviewing and as I talked to people who were considering or had recently made this transition. Um, I do think, though, in the future, there was a, a great awareness that some distance between work and life was important to many people. And it was something that they hoped and expected would continue into the future. And I'm not sure necessarily what that signals for the future of campus-based employment, but I think it is an important transition in generally how people are considering work especially work in in fields that have historically or predominantly um, had such a degree of passion and identity tied up in them. Great emphasis there. I think, you know, it, there is, there, it will be interesting to see how things shape up in the future. And, you know, as someone who I've worked remotely for four years, I think it's interesting that people you know, are seeing remote work as being a kind of solution to the whole work-life balance because I found that it actually presented more challenges for work-life balance um, because I can always work, you know, I my office is in my home. And so right. I've actually had to discipline myself to kind of find ways to manage that. And I can't say that I always achieve that. And that's partly because I sort of accept the, the pros and cons with this space. You know, like I, 
I do feel like I work at night, but I also feel like at, you know, three o'clock I can take my daughter to swim class. And that is the flexibility is the beauty there. So it'll just, you know, I know that people experience the remote environment for, for over a year, uh, which is a fair amount of time, but it'll be interesting, you know, if we do see colleges continue to be flexible you know, does that end up being something that really does actually work for employees and and ends up being what they want? But um, it's fa- it was fascinating to hear your experiences with with what you heard, and I think just it will really validate um, and and people will really feel heard um, who are listening to this episode. So, Lindsay, we thank you so so much for your time today and um, all the work that you do to help, you know, get voices out there from higher ed. And um, it was wonderful meeting you. So thank you so much. And for our listeners, thank you for listening to this week's Pivoting Out of EDU podcast. And to learn more about our podcast or access the show notes, visit us at pivotingoutofedu.com. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Pivoting Out of EDU. For show notes and more information about the podcast, visit pivotingoutofedu.com. If you're thinking about pursuing an opportunity outside of your campus-based position or know someone who is, visit our website for advice and resources and learn Jamie and Tom's private consultations offered to support you in your journey. If you think this podcast was awesome, please consider giving us a five-star rating. 